the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. 1220 KDOW presents Rob Black and Your Money. Your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finance, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800-516-1220. So call in. We'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now to start your day with the latest news and market commentary. Here's Rob Black on the Bay Area's business leader, 1220 KDOW. Good morning and welcome in. Good day and welcome in. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Let's bring in CFP Chad Burton. Mr. Burton, how are you? Great. How are you? I'm well. We have a big event coming up on the 15th of this month. It is a Wealth Preservation Retirement Planning event. It's 6.30 to 9 at the Elks Lodge in Palo Alto. You're kind of here to give a little insight into things that you talk about. Let's talk a little term life insurance if your health declines or if the term insurance is going to expire. What are some thoughts? Yeah, and this is interesting because um, the reason why I brought this up is I had a client that called and said, hey, you know, I had this term policy I had almost forgotten about. And the insurance agent said, hey, it's almost about to expire in terms of being able to convert it. So do you want to convert it? So he started showing him, you know, all these illustrations that were, not quite correct in my opinion, but in this situation why we did a lot of anal- analysis on it is because um, this client had had some serious heart issues a couple of years ago um, after he bought the life insurance and basically has some heart issues. You can look at him, he's a super healthy looking guy, but we're talking quadruple bypass and just kind of a family genetic issue of cholesterol. And so not likely to live too much past age 80, and he's 62 now, so he's looking at it saying, okay, should I keep this thing going? Is it a good deal? So it got me thinking, okay, we don't really talk about convertibility of term insurance and why it's there. And what I talk about on the show when people ask about life insurance, we always say buy term insurance, the cheaper term insurance, and take your savings that if you would have not done the right thing and bought a permanent policy like whole life or universal life, take the difference and invest it into a Roth IRA. And you, the average person will end up better over the long run. But what happens then when you buy a term insurance policy, Rob, and you should get about 10 times your annual income, 20-year level term. So you're paying the same amount in 20 years. Hopefully you're saving enough to replace that life insurance. Most life insurance policies have what's called a convertibility clause in it, where up until year 10, you can convert it into a, a permanent life insurance policy that if you pay more will last forever without proving you're insurable. So 
you could be in the 10th year, you could have maybe 15 years to live because you're diabetic or whatever, and, you know, in 10 years you're not going to have any insurance, but you could convert it and keep your insurance in force so that your family has a death benefit. So people need to take a look at their term policy, and if you get to the end of the 10-year period, if you're healthy, um, you know, you sit down, you do some financial planning, you determine through planning if you're going to have enough assets to replace your need for life insurance in 10 years. So if it sounds confusing, what I'm talking about, you get a 20-year level term policy. Halfway through, 10 years through, you run an analysis. Do I have enough assets or am I going to have enough assets? So by the time this thing's dead in 10 years, the policy's gone, will I have enough assets to not need insurance anymore? If not, then maybe you should buy a new, get rid of the current, uh, 10-year policy by buying a new 20-year term policy <clears throat> and uh, and why you're still healthy, why you can afford to buy a new term policy. But there are those people that they get to the end of the 10 years and they're like, boy, my health isn't good. I can't even qualify for decent rates on a term insurance policy. This is my best deal. Um, I'm not very healthy, so I should convert it. So when you get to the end of that 10-year period of your 20-year term policy and the convertibility, get a health checkup. Do some financial planning. Hopefully, you'll have enough assets to replace it and you won't need it. But if not, you might need to consider that convertibility clause in it where you can convert it to a permanent policy that will last forever if you pay enough and you don't need to prove you're insurable anymore. Okay. Now, that's pretty cool. I didn't know you could flip a term policy and turn it into whole life. You've typically said that only really wealthy people should consider permanent life insurance. Give me a little more. Well, yeah, I mean, so, yeah, you want to buy term insurance and invest the difference, especially if you're younger and you've got a family and you're trying to save and create wealth. Um, so those that need to buy permanent insurance, if you get to the, again, if you, you know, within that 10-year period you're not healthy anymore and you still need insurance, that person might need to buy permanent. A lot of times business owners need to buy permanent life insurance because their business is going to last more than 20 years. Um, and they can't run the risk of not being able to buy new insurance when it's up because they might have a buy-sell agreement between partners. They might have estate taxes where if they die, estate taxes need to be paid by the insurance so the business doesn't have to be sold. Um, wealthy people that have well over $10 million as a married couple in assets might need irrevocable life insurance trust to buy life insurance on them to pay estate taxes. Um, people that fund charitable remainder trusts where you say, here's an asset I'm going to give to charity, but I want to replace it to my heirs. Again, wealthy people might need permanent life insurance. Or the, the, one of the few reasons when you're not kind of the ultra wealthy is let's say you have a pension. You get a pension that's going to go away when you pass away, and your wife or your husband is going to get 50% or zero of what you were getting while you were alive. Term insurance it doesn't work there because term insurance doesn't work in your late 60s and 70s and 80s. You have to have permanent policies. So those are the real kind of few circumstances where permanent life insurance makes sense. If for 99% of the population, buy term and invest the difference. Okay. Finally on this topic, and this is some of the types of content you'll hear at the Wealth Preservation Retirement Planning event at Elk Lodge January 15th in Palo Alto. You can sign up for the event at robblack.com. It's robblack.com. What type of permanent life insurance is worth buying? Yeah, if, um, if, you're, you, know, if you, you buy term insurance, you're usually shopping around, you buy term insurance. And I would say if people have USA insurance, it's good to just call them and get it because you typically get multi-policy discounts. 
But if you're converting that term insurance because you're not healthy, like we were just talking about, you're kind of stuck with whatever that company offers you. Um, higher net worth people that are buying permanent life insurance um, for estate tax purposes and things like that, they tend to actually have better options, Rob. It's a little bit unfair, but, yeah, there are actually companies that get better mortality rates. Um, so I like the guaranteed universal life policies um, where if you agree to pay X premiums, to regardless of what interest rates do, it'll last till past age 100. Or there's a couple of good index universal life policies out there. Most of them are bad, but there's a couple of good ones. And I'm not a fan of variable life insurance where your cash value is invested in stocks and bonds and things like that because this is life insurance. We don't want to take risks with it. We want it to be there for sure. Um, and at the wealth event, you know, we'll talk a little bit about insurance, but really at that wealth event, it's really you have a certain amount of assets enough to live off of for the rest of your life. You know, you could be 40, 50, you could be 10 years from retirement, in retirement. How do you build a base in your portfolio and then start adding things to it to help reduce volatility and risk in the long run? And how do you draw on it? When do you rebalance your portfolio? When do you peel the gains? How do you uh, keep taxes low? And then, finally, how do you pass it on to your heirs with the least amount of tax possible um, so that Uncle Sam doesn't take 45% plus? I mean, you, you know, if you do your estate planning wrong and you're worth a lot of money, your heirs could pay 70% taxes on IRAs if you do it the wrong way. So you've got to be careful. Sounds good. It's CFP Chad Burton. You can find him at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. Plus, here on the station every day from 12 to 1 on his show, New Focus on Wealth. Again, it's CFP Chad Burton. You can find him at newfocusfinancial.com. Big event coming up, not this Thursday, well, not tonight, but next one week from today. Wealth Management Retirement Planning, January 15th. So seven days from today, Thursday, 630 to 9 Palo Alto Elks Lodge, great parking, a lot of estate planning conversation, financial planning, stock picking, diversification, other issues as well. All questions will be tried to answer. You can sign up at robblack.com. Sneezy, sneezy. I don't even know why I said it twice. Just kind of felt nice. Um, there's some strategies that I don't understand, and you, you have to say that out loud from time to time as an investor. Um, Saudi Arabia is doing something crazy in the uh, oil markets. They're raising prices for its Asian customers, but lowering them for Europe. And that muddies understanding of the kingdom's oil strategy. Saudi Arabia is OPEC's most productive member. They led the cartel to maintain its output of 30 million barrels a day at its meeting on November 27th, but waited weeks to explain why. Ultimately, by driving down the price of oil, it was moving to recover market share from non-OPEC oil producers with inefficient or high-cost methods of extracting oil, basically the United States and Russia. Um, so the nice thing about Saudi Arabian oil and most of OPEC oil is it's light sweet. It's like the good stuff. 
and it's easy to get out of the ground. Ours is, think of it as like, it looks like brownie, bat, brownie batter. So it's thick and sludgy. Um, so, on January 6th, Saudi Arabia reduced the official selling price of its light crude for Northwestern Europe by about 50 a barrel, the lowest it's been since 2009, uh, and $4.65 lower than European Brent crude. So you can see what they're trying to undercut, you know, the European oil services. At the same time, Saudi Aramco said it would sell the same grade of oil to customers in Asia at less of a discount than it had previously, therefore raising the price for its largest market. Um, sometimes it's really tough to figure out the, the, the game. Um, there's a different take out there on what might be happening. Is the Saudi pricing moves as evidence that Saudi Aramco is dropping any effort to keep oil prices from falling further and instead to keep its eye solely on market share. And, you know, there's a fight going on for market share right now and not for necessarily price, you know, stability. It, it really makes it very, very difficult when you're the guy at home who's trying to buy and sell stocks in his spare time. Um, Amazon's diaper deal. They bought a company called Diapers.com many, many years ago, which was kind of great because diapers are expensive. And this was a way for parents who, you know, have a young child who needs to be nurtured to stay at home and nurture that kid. And you run out of diapers and you get online or you see that you're running out of diapers and you just order, right? There's a new site coming out that is going to be trying to compete with Amazon on diapers and basically bulk things. And what they're going to do is they're going to charge like a Sam's Club kind of fee or a Costco kind of fee. And then they're going to make their money very, very, you know, they're going to cut up prices by about 10% on everything that Amazon sells because they're going to ask the vendors to give the kickback to them. But the prices are still going to be incredibly cheap. So long story short, if I could do a long story short at this point in time, um, it feels to me like there's a lot of money chasing very few business ideas at this point in time, or maybe even repeat business ideas. Because the guy who actually is starting this company called Jet.com, he actually started Diapers.com and uh, sold it to Amazon, worked with them for a few years. Now he's becoming a competitor to them. Um, I think you get the idea that it does feel that there's a little bit too much of um, we're solving the same problem. Again, not the worst thing in the world, but not very disruptive. So disruptive in price, sure. But again, you're not going to be able to get your diapers in one day or two days. You're going to have to wait four or five days. But so says he that it's going to be a great deal. Anyway, um, other stories of note today, because there are a couple. Tesco is going to cut prices, close stores. It's a supermarket chain that you know Warren Buffett has invested in, and they basically came out and said, whoops, we have an accounting problem last year. So now they're going to cut prices. They're going to close unprofitable stores. They're going to begin selling off assets as the giant retailer seeks to revive its fortunes um, after basically blowing it. Porsche sales have surged. Volkswagen is the company that owns Porsche. 
the brand. They sold more cars than ever last year, helped by the German automaker's launch of its second sports utility vehicle and another 12 months of robust global demand for luxury cars. Again, sometimes in this world, and we live in a very weird world in the Bay Area, because you don't have to see poverty if you don't want to. In other cities, you can't avoid but seeing it. And sometimes that can get us a little bit high on the everything's okay, everything's great, look, everyone's making six figures, look, and you forget, that's not the average America. Uh, Consolation gets a boost from beer. Who doesn't like talking about beer? Beer, 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 beer. So Consolation Brands raised their outlook as profit, gets a boost from beer. You could invest in companies that sell beer. Now, you see the mighty Vladimir Putin invade the meek Ukraine. You see that and you go, oh no, the stock market's scary. Have a beer. You see ISIS cut off the heads of innocent journalists, innocent civilians, and he's get, oh no, the stock market's a scary place. You might want to have another beer. You see terrorism. You see inflation. You see high unemployment. You see high valuations. Have another beer. And I'm not saying drink a beer. I'm saying maybe you should invest in things that you feel comfortable with. In a good economy or a bad economy, people are probably going to be drinking beer, wine, and spirits. I'm not saying that you have to invest this way, and you may consider alcohol a sin, and alcohol probably ruins more lives than cigarettes. Ooh, there you go. You can invest in cigarettes, too. Philip Morris or Altria. Philip Morris, the international tobacco maker. Um, Altria, the United States-based pusher of cigs. Uh, There's ways to invest that you don't have to get, like, oh, no, the stock market's rigged. The banks make all the money. You could buy Pepsi, and the next time your kid eats Doritos and gets fat, you know, you could say, at least I'm investing <laughs> in what, what's getting my kid fat. Um, now, Volkswagen's Porsches are selling a lot of cars, but that fat kid's not going to fit in it. So in the future, what do you think? What, what should we invest in? Oompa Loompa-sized Porsches? No. So anyway, um, there's no shame in investing in, in well, I'm not going to say there's no shame in investing in alcohol. It's, up to you. I'm not going to tell you how to live your life. But there are ways to make investing a lot easier for you without freaking you out. So, anyhow, and anyway, big event coming up one week from today, Thursday, Palo Alto Elks Lodge Wealth Management and Retirement Plan, 4249 El Camino Real. It's an event tied towards income and retirement, making sure your money lasts till the day you die. Sectors in the market, reducing risk with diversification, tax reduction strategies. Trust me, if you're 40 plus, you need to come to this event. Sign up at robblack.com. That's robblack.com.
I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Anything that you want to talk about, we could talk about. Um, one thing that I want to bring up is we started the year off with a few days of, of really intense selling. And I'm going to go down with the Titanic going, I'm not stressed. Yeah, it's just an iceberg, just a wee little scratch. I like down days. Um... I love to invest. The best days to invest are down days or dark days or black days. You know, let me give you an analogy. Let's say you're single and you've got your eye on a member of the opposite sex who is just ideal to you. Funny, intelligent, sexy, and then they get dumped. The best day, the best chances that you have of potentially catching that person is on a down day. Not when they're on their honeymoon, not when they're getting married, not when they're in love, but when they're dumped. That's kind of the way you should think about investing. And I know you're saying, that's probably the weirdest pull you've done in at least a week. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. So the market's had a couple down days, and it's like the Hindenburg. Oh, the humanity. Disney's 3% off from its all-time high. You know? Oh, the humanity. Another car crash. I don't think it's funny. I do it, but I don't think it's funny to play car crashes because people who are driving, it could, it could probably cause a car crash. Um, but they get to go, me doing something like this. Hey, look out! That could cause a car crash, too. Um, yeah, so we had a, a tough start to the year. And, and again, I like pullbacks. They never feel good, but I like them. Um, a friend of mine, his kid has a, a, a fever, uh, works with me in television and his kid had a very serious, and very scary fever. And since then, not, he's not been able to hold anything in his body. You know what I mean? He's lost four pounds and he's like 90 pounds squirt. So that's a lot of weight, right? And I should, when I call him a 90 pounds squirt, I probably should use a different word than squirt. Um, but, and I said, look at the bright side, you know? If you can get your kid to get a culture, you know, um, cough on an apple and I'll eat the apple. Maybe I could lose some weight kind of thing. Um, where does this story have relevance? Oh, I always try to find the, the positives and the negatives. And that's, that's your key to success. So taking a look at the markets, you got to feel comfortable. Let's bring in Tony Mendez and talk a little real estate. Joining me now, mortgage lender from BayAreaLoanSource.com. It's BayAreaLoanSource.com. He's the guy who does my mortgages, Tony Mendez. Tony Mendez, let's talk a little rental properties. Hey, Rob. Hello? Rental properties. What's the word mean to you or the words mean to you? Investment property. And I think that's something that you, it, that should be the first thing that you think about. Investment. You're getting a rate of return on what you're putting into the property. So okay. you, you come up with a down payment. You put it in the buy the property. You get some good tax benefits, some interest, mortgage interest deductions, and then you have what's left over, and in, that's your cash flow. In your world of lending, who comes to you that's looking for investment property or rental property? There's a lot of different people. Uh, we have you know the, the husband and wife that are looking for a second home, um, and they say, you know what, we're going to buy this as an investment property for a while, and then maybe retire in it or something like that. And then we have some people who just want to have extra money, and they want to buy some rental property because. 
It's something maybe their parents have done. Um, a lot of people that are in rental properties now are people who have experienced that through either family members or friends, uh, and they get exposure that way. I live in part of the Bay Area that I would not buy homes as rental properties, but I would buy apartments as rental properties. Right. Um, I have a differentiation in my head. I don't think my home, I'll be honest with you, I don't think it's going to appreciate it in the next 10 years unless I see some really big wage inflation across the upper middle class and the lower upper class. And right now, that's just not working out that way. Multifamily was a one of the things we saw new home sales go up. It was really, not new home sales, I'm sorry, construction. Right. And it was leading the way. We had 60% of new home construction was multifamily units because of the pure fact that rents were rising and there was a demand for this type of product. That's why over the last few years, we saw a lot of almost 30 to 35% of properties bought in the Bay Area were cash. Okay. Cash properties. And it's still like that right now because people are buying not only distressed properties, but they're buying rental units because rents are so strong here. Something that I find sick and vile are real estate clubs because they're kind of luring in the average person saying, you too can buy real estate just like Donald Trump. And it's maybe not that much of a sales pitch or maybe not that glossy, but I find them kind of vile. And I saw in 2004, 2005, 2006, yeah. a, a lot of people join these things trying to get wealthy and not having enough money to understand that it's an investment, and you're investing yep. in the income that comes out of it, you're not investing in the potential appreciation of the property. And a lot of those ended up as private REITs as well, uh, where they're the people who are making more of the money with the people who are actually getting the transaction. Right. Um, so what you're saying piece. there, that sometimes you'll hear about people that advertise clubs and scenarios, and they'll say, I'll buy property for you, and they'll do... And help you get the loan and, and so on. And, and management fees, et cetera. So it's, there are going to be a lot more of these types of advertisements and incitements to get into this into the real estate business as equities increase. Here in the Bay Area, prices are going back up. So that's skewing really towards, um, I, don't want to say, I don't even know how to say this, but a lot of individuals want to own individual properties. And then some individuals want to help fund bigger projects and become a master limited partner. And I hate that. I would rather you own publicly traded REITs where you own it. Tony Mendez owns that property. He may own one one millionth of it, but he's not writing a check to a developer. He's not writing why, a check. And I know why you say that, because you hear a lot more horror stories yeah. than I do. You work with yeah. people on an individual basis, and you also have uh, – you hear these horror stories. I, on the other hand, would say, you know what, I would deal with actually people who are successful at – buying rental properties, buying multi-unit properties, and managing them well and getting positive cash flows. If so, they're getting positive cash flows, and right. if, if they're not expecting appreciation, but it's, I agree. It's because I, I work with, and it's going to sound corny, but I work with people that have CFPs or CPAs, <laughs> yeah. and that they, they actually have some people that are guiding them in the right way instead of going to these kind of groups and, and feeling like they're, that it, they're just following a trend. I think if you think someone's like a real estate guru or someone has like... If, there was a guy... He owns a company in the Bay Area that he was selling property in the desert in a city that has no waterworks, that has no pipes, selling property that has no water tied towards it, Aqueduct City, um, that has no aqueduct. Mm -hmm. And people buy it thinking it's the next big thing. If you're buying the next big thing, you're probably taking a lot of risk. Now, San Luis Obispo, maybe they're the next big thing in the wine country. Maybe all that property down there will work out but they have to have water. So I'm, you have to calculate some of your risks in these scenarios, right? Yes, you certainly do. So real quick, what does the person 
what would you want to see who's looking for rental investments? Um, somebody who can, it's extra money for them okay. to spend. Um, I had somebody call me the other day, said I have about $50,000 I want to put in investment property. And we got through the whole you know, qualifying process, and, and they didn't have any other money. They had some 401k, but they didn't have the ability to continue funding that if they used their this money up and factoring the, the risk involved. You don't always get rents on a monthly basis. So That's mortgage lender Tony Mendez with BayAreaLoanSource.com. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money investing, and more. Yahoo shareholders warns mayor, where's the mayor? Significant leadership change could be needed. So activist investors, Starbird Value, the people who took on AOL and Olive Garden's parent company, have issued a new letter to Yahoo CEO, Marissa Mayer. Starboard is one of many Yahoo investors trying to convince Mayer and Yahoo's board to return huge proceeds of its 2005 investment in Alibaba to shareholders in a tax-efficient manner. Um, significant leadership changes. I don't know if I buy that one. In large part... Yahoo's starting to grow search share, which no one would have thought they would have been able to pull that off. She's had some acquisitions that are meant for the future and not meant for the now, which you're not going to create a lot of value, but you're going to create potential future growth is the hope. Since she's taken over as CEO of Yahoo, there's been $30 billion of value added to the company. So I'm not really 100% sure I buy into that. Again, I'm not in on privy conversations. I'm not privy of the privy. Um, but it is interesting to note, in my opinion. Markets have good days. Markets have bad days. I don't really stress over it. Anyhow, um, what else do we need to look at, in my opinion? Uh, McDonald's keeps coming out with new ideas on, like, healthy food. Um, that feels like a very stodgy stock to turn around, as far as to turn their business around. It's great stock. Good long-term value. Uh, it's a lot like, you know, the alcohol plays that I mentioned, the beer plays in the first, uh, in the second segment. We're going to drink beer. That's not going away. Uh, JCPenney's is closing 40 stores. There's, there's a big theme going around, trend right now, about malls basically dying and really struggling. I think struggle is a better word than dying, but you got to be careful investing in companies like Macy's and Abercrombie and Aeropostale uh, who have the mall exposure like JCPenney's. With that said, I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. You can find me online at robblack.com. Seminar coming up next week, Thursday the 17th. Thursday the 15th, 6.30 to 9, at the Palo Alto Elks Lodge, Wealth Management and Retirement Planning Event. It's two and a half hours. It's a good, solid event. We'll take a break here. We'll talk soon.
I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. So, Paris is on edge after a shooting claimed the life of a policewoman earlier today. That, too, has been called an act of terrorism. After yesterday's incredibly violent attack on the magazine Charlie Hebdo, Hebdo, hundreds of police and soldiers patrolled airports, schools, and cultural sites like the Eiffel Tower and the Louvre. Um, the attacks have kind of stoked what's called Islamophobia in a country that has the biggest Muslim population in Europe, and it could bolster support for anti-immigration. Uh, at least 12 people died yesterday. 11 people were injured. No link has been established between those killings and today's shootout just outside the capital, but someone with a automatic rifle and bulletproof vest took out a female police officer. Um, the good news is that the youngest suspect in the attack turned himself in, so there'll be a veritable plethora of knowledge that could come out of you know the planning and hopefully stop some of this barbarianism in the future. Or delay, I don't know. I'm definitely not smart enough to figure this one out. Um, but I think the whole world, if you pay attention and you have any humanity, you know, you get that this guy was just doing his job. He was an editor of a satirical magazine. Um, just sweet Charlie, you know, tributes are spanning the globe. And what's pretty cool, in my opinion, is that a lot of European newspapers now publishing cartoons of Muhammad and I've been told that one of the reasons people are upset about cartoons publishing Muhammad is that he didn't want to be a god, so he never wanted his image recreated. That seems... I don't get. Um, but I do appreciate how the world kind of bonds together and, you know, say things like, I am Charlie, or not afraid. We should have that attitude more often. So... 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. The headlines out there today, uh, there's a couple. Coca-Cola is cutting 1,600 to 1,800 jobs. You know, pull out a calculator. Let's do this real quick. Maybe we'll see why Coca-Cola wants to do this. Let's take 1,800 times it by, let's say, 56,000, which is kind of an average salary in, in America. And how much are they going to be saving? Whoa, 10 million, 100 million over the years. Now, that doesn't mean that that you know those jobs don't lose efficiency and other things like that. But you get the idea: 1,800 people times 50,000, and you see why corporation that why Wall Street cheers job cuts. Easiest way to improve your bottom line is to cut the you know the most expensive part of doing business, which is labor. I know that doesn't make me sound like a nice guy. So, by the way, French Special Forces, they wear masks to cover their identity. They look bad. They look... I would not mess with those people. So, But they also look like terrorists because they're, you know, they're hiding their face, which I don't like. Um, other stories of note. Okay, so Coca-Cola is getting jobs. Uh, JCPenney's is closing 40 stores. Oh, we have a telephone call. Randy? Yeah. Hey, Rob. Good morning. What's 
What's up, Randy? Nothing much. Just wondering how you think Twitter has done in Q4 and what the upside is for the company and also Gilead, what your take is after, you let's know. Just, let's just do one stock. Let's just do one stock. All right. Did you say, tw- did you say Twitter? Yes. Okay. Do you own it? Yeah, I do. Okay. I'm not the biggest fan of the company because it's become pretty obvious that they don't have a good strategy. Um, right. So it's become pretty obvious that the CEO has to go. And until that happens, many people on Wall Street won't put our money where our mouths are. Um, and thanks for the call. So um, a lot of people have it short. Um Taking a look at a chart of the company, it did break beneath 40 pretty aggressively, and it looks like it should be going down a little bit lower if you believe in technicals. It's got about two or three downside dollars. dollars. Um, the long-term chart, you'll see the price is trading back below its initial IPO range of the $40 area. It's kind of a line in the sand. Um, Give me just a second. I think they could certainly be an acquisition. Uh, some people have suggested recently that Yahoo and Twitter can get together. Hmm. That would be interesting. See what Marissa Mayer would be able to do with a company. And that would be a great opportunity that all the insiders got their money out of it. Yeah, the stories that I keep seeing as I, I pull up research on the company is the CEO has to go. Like, it's, it's become kind of a, a march. Um, he has sold 25 million shares of his Twitter shares for his trust and another 5 million recently. Uh, one analyst I see has a buy price target of $44 on it. He thinks it's close to its 52-week low. Um, there's positive fundamentals in the company's story. The company retains strong growth characteristics based on some of the competitive differentiators. The internet services that have thrived have initially focused on one competency and one only. Uh, Twitter strength is in identification with one thing, the concise message easily shared and easily commented on. Let me see if I can't pull up. Can you, let's see if I can beat the clock here. Um, give me a second. Um, yeah, I, I think I'm still going to say let it go a little bit lower in the 30s. It's trading at a Ford PE, next year's PE of over 111. I like Google a little bit better as a valuation play. Same, similar growth stories. Rob Black, taking all, talking all things financial. Find me online at robblack.com. I'm Rob Black, talking money, investing, and more. Joining me now, CFP Chad Burton. 
Mr. Burton, how are you? Great. How are you? Good. Now, we're doing an event coming up on Thursday the 15th in Palo Alto at the Elks Lodge, Wealth Preservation Retirement Planning. Quick plug for that. Give me your thoughts. Yeah, it um, really kind of brings together if you think you have enough money to live off of for the rest of your life. Um, you know, wealth management means I've got enough assets to live forever. I've got the freedom to either continue to work, not work, do something more fun, whatever it may be. But, you know, when we're young and we're building a financial base and we're building our basic portfolios, I think we get try to get people to 200, 250,000 with basic index funds and ETFs, really low-cost investing. After that, wealth management becomes an issue of, um, you know, I'm just as concerned with the downside as the upside, and I need to make sure I'm rebalancing my portfolio correctly, taking gains when I need to, what to do um, in low interest rate environment to create the right type of income, um, really risk reduction and, and making sure you're maximizing your portfolio's returns as well as minimizing the taxes, and then that includes how do you pass it on to your kids and your charities and do it responsibly so that more gets to who you want it to go to versus just get, you know, eaten up by taxes and fees of probate and other things like that. So it's it's really a pretty comprehensive event for um, people that are trying to make sure that they're doing the right things with the wealth that they've already created. I got an email from a guy named Matt. Listen to this. I'm 34. I have 140K saved in retirement through IRAs, Roth IRAs, and 401K and Roth 401K. Everything is in index funds. I want to make sure I'm properly diversified. Should I see an advisor? Do you, do you have any information on how I can be helped with diversification? What would your answer be for that one? Yeah, and that one, um, again, you don't necessarily need um, – this is the problem. This is the solution actually I'm coming up with, and you'll see it launched here in the next couple of weeks. But um, a lot of times younger people, the only people that will talk to them is people that work on commission and want to sell them life insurance and annuities and things that, I mean, we all need life insurance and disability insurance, but you want to get the advice from a fiduciary. So um, there's a lot of resources online, um, but if you are still kind of stuck, you want to go to a fiduciary hourly planning certified financial planner. That will charge you by the hour to give you the unbiased advice. Take a look at the portfolio, and uh, just make sure that you're on the right track so you can sleep at night. You can kind of go in and get a five-year plan from somebody and and say, here's your goal. When you have, you know, once you pass 250,000, you know, here's the next steps. Um, so you just stay away from commission-based people and make sure you're talking okay. to certified financial planners that are fiduciaries. The F word is a good word. Be careful. We're on radio. <laughs> um, now, you want to talk a little 401ks and some of the changes that are happening out there. Sure. What do we need to know? Well, yeah, the, the limits went up. So IRAs, basic IRAs are the same. But 401ks and the 401k catch-up, if you're going to be 50 or older by the end of the year, they've both gone up. So last year, in 2014, we could only put in 17500 into a 401k. This year, it's 18000 um, and the catch-up contribution also went up to 6000 from 5500 So if you're going to be 50 or older by 1231 of this year, uh, you can put twenty four grand in your 401k now. And, you know, it's kind of thinking back in the business and when I got in, you know, over 22 years ago, and I think you could max out at 10% of your pay up to ten grand back then, and Roth IRAs weren't around. Just think about how much you can do now. So you can do... $24,000 into your 401k if you're going to be over 50. Plus, you can max out on a, a Roth IRA. There's a lot of stuff that people can do on their own. 
Um, so that's a good thing. On SEP IRAs and solo 401ks, the maximum amount went up by $1,000. So you can put in a maximum of 53000 Here's how it works, Rob. If, if you're self-employed um, and you want to open up a, a plan, uh, you know, you don't really have any other employees, the easy thing to do is open either a SEP IRA or an individual solo 401k. If you're making well over three hundred grand, open up a SEP because you can okay. put in about 18%. If you're under that, it just just open an individual 401k. It's, you can go to TD Ameritrade or Schwab, open them up. It doesn't cost you anything unless you have over 250 grand in the plan, and you can put in um, 18% of your uh, net business income plus the 401k amounts that I mentioned, 18,000 or 24,000 if you're over 50. Um, it, it's it's huge. It's a big benefit, and it's pretty much free to do at most brokerage firms now. Um, so make sure you look at that. Make, the defined benefit plans didn't change. That's, again, for people that are over 50. You're making a ton of money. You're trying to get more put away than this you know, $53,000 amount I mentioned. And so the 401Ks, you can do a defined benefit plan. Those haven't changed too much. Um, the Roth IRA phase-out. So we talk about Roth IRAs as a great you know, put-in-after-tax dollars. It grows tax-free for the rest of your life. But high-income earners get phased out. And the amounts went up a little bit. So... The phase-out begins if you're a married couple filing jointly and your adjusted gross income, modified gross income, is, is hits $183,000. It's a pretty high limit. Um, you, you begin to be phased out of a Roth IRA. If you're single, that number is $116,000 now. That's up. So that both are up a couple of grand. Um, and, of course, if you make too much money to fund a Roth IRA, make sure you check our website on backdoor Roth IRA or um, where you can make a contribution to a non-deductible IRA and then convert it to a Roth. One thing I'll point out real quick, too, because we keep talking about these high-income limits, and I think the saver's credit. Since people are going to be working on their tax return, uh, the saver's credit is something that people forget about. Often, are you, are you familiar with the, the saver's credit, Rob? Not really. Well, it, basically, it, it's kind of a tax credit for people that make under a certain amount that you get some of the money that you put into your 401k, IRA 403B back, um, it's, it's kind of like a bonus. So if you're uh, married filing jointly and you make your, your income is, is under $61,000 or under $30,500 if you're uh, single, um, if you put in, let's say, $2,000 to a, your 401K, you can get a tax credit up to 50% of the amount. So you can get up to $1,000 back depending on your income. Um, so there's a 50%, 20%, or 10% tax credit. So make sure that you're talking to your enrolled agents or CPAs that, hey, I did fund an IRA or a 401k. Um, uh, it, it make sure you let them know. I'm sorry, it's the 401k, 403b. Um, Roth IRAs are also eligible for this, make sure you let them know so that they can calculate whether or not you get this tax credit back. Um, so, and with that said, it's you know it's time to look at your taxes. It's time to say, all right, I, I need to schedule a meeting with my CPA. I need to uh, see if I need to make a payment before January 15th. And uh, there's some other things. If we've got time, we can talk about what you want to do in January. Thanks very much. It's CFP Chad Burton. You can find him at the Wealth Management Retirement Planning Event, Palo Alto Elks Lodge, the 15th. Sign up at robblack.com. It's robblack.com. He's got great forms and things you can download at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. 
Black talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Someone asked me what's a safe investment, and I could say Corona. Because think about this in beer reviews, there's a company called ratebeer.com. It comes out with a score of 1.69 out of 10. Awful. The beer advocate gives Corona an awful rating of 55 out of 100. Faded aromas of sulfur, faint skunk, mild cooked veggies. <laughs> and yet, it's growing in popularity um, because of marketing. And I could just say, you know, simple formula of sand, sun, lime wedges. Ta-da! So there's a company called Constellation Brands. I think we'll probably be consuming alcoholic beverages for many years to come. That's my thought, at least. Jobless claims dip point to a firming labor market. That's positives. Uh, first Friday of every month, we get the Bureau of Labor Statistics report on employment in America. So that's tomorrow. Yahoo shareholder is warning Mercer Mayor significant leadership changes may be needed. Uh, she's increased the value of that company by $30 billion. That's going to be a tough one to sell. JCPenney's is closing 40 stores in 2015, basically in the month of May. Um, Coca-Cola is cutting 1,800 jobs. And I did the math on that. Let's just say the jobs are $56,000 salary. It comes out to a billion dollars in savings a year. You kind of get why a company would you know, cut people when they're having trouble growing revenue. Um, gasoline demand is surging in the United States. We thought that we had hit you know, peak usage and we were in decline. But as soon as gasoline prices came down, we started you know, driving more again. Um, Porsche sales are surging, so they've announced a couple of sport utility vehicles, and that's a big win for Volkswagen. Uh, luxury cars, they do well in good economy, bad economy. Workers have been squeezed by health insurance costs. The average cost for employee contributions have risen 175% since 2003. That is a huge cost burden on the consumer. So we have that. Let's talk a little real estate. Welcome in, Tony Mendez from BayAreaLoanSource.com. That's BayAreaLoanSource.com. He's done two, maybe three of my loans in real estate, so I bring him in on occasion to kind of highlight what you should be thinking about when buying a home or refinancing a home or maybe even sometimes selling a home. You can listen to his show here on KDOW 1220 Tuesdays. That's Tuesdays at 6 p.m. drive time. Mr. Mendez, buying a home is intimidating. Yes, it is. I remember my 20s when I bought my first car. I had buyer's remorse. I had panic. Um, you know, going through a divorce, you have remorse. You have panic. You have fear. But a home, it's it's pretty big. The first home that you put an offer on, and it's not quite the home you want. There's a cracked foundation. You're like, what is, should I be doing yeah. this? Should I not be doing it? Like, you do go through a lot of questions. Yeah, the first cliche I heard in the business, and it still rings 
true today is it's the biggest decision you're going to make in your life, the biggest investment you're going to make in your life. And, it, and today it's becoming more harder to get, uh, more difficult to get the financing, uh, finding the right price, finding the right home is difficult today because we have such competition. we have competition, we have inventory problems, um, and you're putting cash over top of appraised value. So it's it's a lot more difficult and certainly more intimidating in a seller's market like it is today. And you and I kind of grew up kind of ignorant. We were kind of like, yeah, Dad said put down 28 to 40 percent of your income. And you and I have grown up in an area uh, era where people are like buy the worst house on the best street, buy close to great schools, buy close to great jobs. Don't buy too far out. You want someone's wife to want your home. You want some curbside appeal. I mean, it sounds like pretty generic advice, but a lot of people got burned with bad advice, like buy, you know, take equity out of your home and buy elsewhere, or or um, buy in Dallas. Or, yeah, just wrong advice. You know, yeah. the best advice you can give yourself for real estate is to. First, decide to make a decide to buy real estate. That's the hardest decision. Know that you're going to know that you're going to be tied to it. Yeah. And you said it's an investment. I say it's a liability. You say it's the biggest investment you ever make. I think it's the biggest liability. You're committing to paying 30 years every single month, even if you lose your job, even if you divorce. You're making a commitment that's big. Now, later in life, as you pay yourself rent, i.e., the part of the mortgage that's not interest but the equity. Um, it is. It adds up to a great yeah. thing over time. It doesn't keep up terribly well versus inflation. Some markets better than others. Yeah, and and you brought up a good point. The, a lot of things that are the benefits, the right benefits of owning a home aren't sold. Sold. It's the wrong benefits that are oversold, and it gets people hyped up about real estate. It really is a hype game, isn't it? Uh, oh, and yeah. a speculation game. Right now, speculation is is dying off as prices are going up and rates are going up. It's it's a lot more rate sensitive than it used to be. I'm um, because we have such high prices, and this is what I fear in this type of market right now is that we are so rate sensitive, and we're so sensitive to alternative types of financing like arms, and there's no neg ams anymore. There is still interest only, so people are sensitive to those, but they also are sensitive to the payment and the fact that the prices have gone up and are going to go back up to where they've been. If, it's a tricky market. To if you live in an expensive be. area, you're looking for expensive jobs to be created. If you're living in Stockton, you're looking for a doubling of minimum wage. Like, there's little keys and hints that you could think about. Um, I can tell you that my industry, the financial world, has some slimy people. There's a big mutual fund guy down in San Jose that I got to see some of the salespeople. And they're just 25-year-old, just, I don't know, just, hey, hey there, Gus, give me a power handshake and let's go sell some of this product and make big money and have scotches tonight. Like, they're just... I don't know what the word bimbo himbo like there's that's not the right word but uh your industry has that too though you just call them a tool tool perfect your industry's got these tools that are like you know all I got to do is do one mortgage and I can fly to Hawaii and smoke weed and come back and do one mortgage and you know hey I used to be a mechanic but now I'm going to be a mortgage person I know a woman who's a housewife and she's getting her real estate license simply because it's a little extra money and she's competing against people who've been in this industry 40, 50 years, super experienced. She's got none. She's going to fail, in my opinion. With that said, maybe she sells one else. Yep. Um, she's got a heart of gold, and she networks really well with mothers. So maybe she does well. You know, that, but there's some barriers to entry. I'd get into the real estate, that side of the real estate business if I had a larger network. Uh, and I've been in my city for a long time. I'm a mom, and I, and I know a lot of people, and I know how to network. You know, that's a great way to start. There's a lot be of people who still because, want to yeah. get into real estate because there is a lot of money to be made in this in this industry. 
Um, the mortgage industry is more of the sales part. Real estate's all about this. The selling side is all about how who you know. One of the first questions I would ask a potential realtor: Tell me the three best streets. Tell me the school scores, and you know, don't show me a big kitchen. I don't care. Show me the best streets that everyone wants that has no inventory. That's where I want to be. That has been Tony Mendez. Tony Mendez has been sitting in with me. He works with BayAreaLoanSource.com. He is a lender, BayAreaLoanSource.com. And I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. You never have to be shy. You can contact me, Rob, at RobBlackShow.com. It's Rob at RobBlackShow.com. Um, stock market checked its grumpy nature at the door yesterday and kind of had a good run. So we had a few days to start the year really negative and then a few days really positive. We're getting close to all-time highs again. And when we were having negatives, you have to be honest with yourself and say, were we at all-time highs last month? There's more volatility. If you can't take the heat, get out of the kitchen. Kitchen being this time uh, stock market. Taking a look at some of the things inside of the markets today. Gold kind of stabilized. Gold's Crude oil stabilized, 10-year treasury back above 2%. It's, it's cheap, though, 2.01%. A lot of foreign money is coming into our treasury. Um, now that the Federal Reserve has stopped buying um, via quantitative easing, you know, we're surprised that we got this low again. Um, with that said, don't get too caught up in this. Look for stocks that you always want. Look for sectors that you need. Um know that there's going to be volatility this year because we're at higher valuations on the stock market. And that should be of concern. I mean, don't be stupid. <coughs> you know, know that we're at higher valuations. And that basically means we have to have things continue to go right to support that kind of earnings growth that we need for the, to support the stock market growth. Um, I can come up with a list of stocks that I think you know, every person under the age of 35 should own. Um, so, you know, something like an Exxon Mobil, who's been beaten up in the recent pullback, or of oil. Um, Google, you know, a lot of people are fearful the company has reported earnings below estimates the past few quarters. Um, I like Google. Um, at these valuations... It's got a price-to-earnings ratio of about 18 going forward. Apple has a PE of about 15 going forward, and all expectations are for the iPhone 6 and the 6 Plus to have a massive sell this quarter. Um, so come up with a list that you want as an investor. Um, always have a list. Always have something. You know, if you can't come up with that, um, you should. Uh, it'll help you. There's story stocks out there that have high PEs like Solar City and Tesla. But you have to blend those in a portfolio and be smart. You can't just like say, I'm going to blindly do this. You can find out more about me at robblack.com. Come see me a week from today, Thursday the 15th in Palo Alto at the Elks Club in Palo Alto. It's a wealth preservation retirement planning event. It's five bucks, free parking, uh, coffee, wine, cheese, that kind of stuff. So you'll get your five bucks back. Um, 
You can sign up for the event at robblack.com. It's robblack.com. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Don't be shy. Call the show, 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220. You can follow me on Twitter, Rob Black Show. YouTube, Rob Black Show. You can follow some of my stories at Facebook Cron page. Um, I'm Cron for Rob Black. Uh, that's K-R-O-N for Rob Black. And uh, also I have a group page there, kind of a... Uh, self-deprecating sense of humor called I Hate Rob Black. Just go to Facebook and type in I Hate Rob Black and you'll find me. And it's funny because there's an English songwriter who probably doesn't like that I have that group page because he's also named Rob Black. There's a porn producer out of L.A. who's a pretty evil guy. He's been on 60 Minutes, been in jail, uh, named Rob Black. He probably is not too happy that I have the I Hate Rob Black link up as well. Hmm, the question is, if you want a movie package featuring The Expendables in a raffle, would you bother stopping by the mailroom to pick up your winner? Hmm, probably not so much. Probably not so much. Suddenly I'm sounding like Adam Sandler. I don't know what that's all about. I apologize to everyone in my family for that sound. Um... 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about money investing and more. Um, taking a look at the markets, you know, you should find some comfort in the nature that started the year's doing okay. We started off with a pretty big sell-off, and then it kind of stabilized. Fed President, Chicago Fed President Evans, is providing some comfort. He was quoted in a Reuters article saying the Fed should not be in a hurry to raise rates and the outlook for inflation is more worrisome to him. The thing about Mr. Evans' view is this isn't new. He's well-known dove on inflation, on interest rates. What is new is what registers in his view for the market is that Mr. Evans is a voting member in 2015. Um, security blanket provided by the Fed has a warmer feel to it at the moment than it did a couple of days ago. Bank of England left its policy rate and asset purchase program unchanged. Major European and Asian stock markets moved higher. The initial pullback to start 2015 had a lot to do with market having gotten overbought during the late December, uh, December rally. The Santa Claus rally. Let's see if I get the Santa scream. <laughs> I've missed him so much. 
How will I be able to, to weave Santa into a broadcast in July? Well, none other than Christmas in July, right? And who's going to come bring presents in Christmas other than Santa? So a number of retailers have checked in with better-than-expected same-store sales for December <clears throat> and some reassuring guidance. Lower gasoline prices is going to help enormously um, with the retail sector. We saw the initial claims report that doesn't really have much bearing on things because it's largely in line with expectations. But Friday morning, we get the jobs report out of the BLS, and that's a big one for the United States stock markets. Uh, I'm not going to say it's, you know, the end-all, be-all, but it is important for sure. Um, so the S&P 500 reclaimed what's called its 50-day moving average. And there's some <clears throat> investors out there who say, look at a chart and look at the 50-day moving average. If it gets way too beneath the 50-day moving average, it may create some value and maybe prevent some downside risk. If it gets way above the 50-day moving average, it is going to be more risky as if it reverts to the norm, but it's also got some momentum. Different investors out there, trust me. Um, I don't mind looking at charts uh, for trends. Uh, generally, the stock's been moving up in the last five years. That's a good thing. If the stock's been moving up in the last 40 years, that's a very good thing. So when I look at charts of Nike and Disney and Apple and uh, yeah, Constellation brands, I could say to myself, this is okay. I feel some safety here on a 5, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30-year basis. They have a history of earning shareholder value. Um, I like to look at charts that represent my time frame. So I'm 40 plus. Uh, so I'll only go 40 years back because I'd like to still have money when I'm 80 uh, invested. But soon, my, my charts are going to get a lot smaller um, that I look at. And again, it's only one piece of the puzzle. I've never, never met a technician who will say things like, yeah, take a look at the chart of the stock and you, you'll see an armadillo turnover three times. What? An armadillo three-time turnover? Yeah, an armadillo three-time turnover. Oh, look, look, it's the Llama F uh, Foundation. It's a double llama. Or is Yikity Yak, it's the Yikity Yak stock chart that just exploded to the upside. It's the most disturbing animal noise ever recorded. It sounds like something inappropriate. Let's hear it one more time. It almost sounds like vocal fry. You know, oh, the girls who start talking like this. Even though this is their voice. But they go, oh my god, like that would be so much fun to do. Yes, the vocal fry is returned. Um, good gosh, let's see, what else do we have to hit today? Everything's doing good. So, it's broad-based advance. Um, you're seeing, you know, big numbers, and when I say big numbers, I'm not being silly. You know, 1% gains, 1.5% gains, 3% gains. The 10-year treasury is up 3% today. Um, so let's go back to the concept that you want to have a shopping list of stocks available for you. I prefer quality over, quote-unquote, sexy. Um, there's a time and a place for sexy, 
but most of the time, there's it's quality that you want. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Pick up the phone, give me a call tomorrow or another day. Drop me an email, rob at robblackshow.com. And I'll be in Palo Alto a week from today. You can sign up at robblack.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.